Welcome to Moving the Needle, where we highlight innovators doing needle-moving to create generational wealth and strengthen America's inclusive competitiveness. We're excited to bring you this episode, and we couldn't do it without the support of our sponsors. Live Oak Bank is on a mission to be America's small business bank and has the privilege of helping thousands of passionate, driven entrepreneurs turn their dreams into reality. These small business owners aren't in it for the fortune or the fame. They're in it to make a difference, just like Live Oak. As the top SBA 7A lender in the nation, Live Oak works tirelessly to treat every customer like they are the only customer. Going above and beyond is simply how Live Oak operates. They strive to deliver an experience different than what you typically expect from a bank. Their customers remain at the center of everything. You can learn more at liveoakbank.com. All right, let's get to the show. Hey, everyone. This is Jonathan Hollifield, co-host of Moving the Needle. I appreciate you tuning in today. Christopher Gergit and I will be back next week. But in the meantime, we wanted to share another podcast with a similar mission. I was recently on the Workforce Rx podcast from Futuro Health. We discussed how disconnected populations can gain access to the best opportunities for economic advancement. It was a great conversation. We dug into some real critical ideas behind the importance of inclusive competitiveness. I hope you enjoy. Here's Workforce Rx. Welcome to Workforce Rx with Futuro Health, where future focused leaders in education, workforce development, and healthcare explore new innovations and approaches. I'm your host, Fontone Quinlivan, CEO of Futuro Health. Today, we're going to learn about an organization, Bitwise Industries, that has a lot in common with Futura Health in removing barriers to education and careers faced by people from underestimated communities. In the case of Bitwise Industries, participants are heading for jobs in the tech sector as opposed to the healthcare sector. Here to tell us more is Jonathan Hollyfield, the Senior Vice President of New Economies at Bitwise Industries. In that role, He leads commercialization and expansion of the Bitwise program into underdog cities across the U.S. Prior to Bitwise, Jonathan served as advisor to the White House Domestic Policy Council from 2017 to 2021 and co-founded Scale-Up Partners. He's also the author of The Future Economy and Inclusive Competitiveness, How Demographic Trends and Innovation Can Create Shared Prosperity for All Americans. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jonathan. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to the discussion. And uh, thank you for having me in Bitwise Industries. Well, Jonathan, I'm sure our audience would love you to give us a little bit of background about Bitwise story and approach. Please give us an overview. Absolutely. Let me level set it because I'm going to connect into the Bitwise story. Um, My own background, right? I had been active in the customary kinds of things that uh, someone who cares about community would be active in, you know, the neighborhood development, community development, civil rights, 
leader of the local in at AACP for a number of years, all of that stuff. And I was vexed by the question, as hard as we were working, why weren't we moving the needle? And the only answer I had, Bond, was we got to try harder. So we just keep doubling down and trying harder. It wasn't until I was introduced to the innovation economy, as connected as I was, one of those folks, future leader, coming on the scene, all the awards, all that stuff, as connected as I was, I couldn't see this economy and it was right in front of me. It was invisible. And once I was introduced to it, the tech economy, the innovation economy, then it was like an epiphany. Oh, my. In order to move the needle, you got to do needle moving stuff. And the stuff we were doing is good work, but they were largely inelastic opportunities. Versus in the tech sector, the uh, innovation economy, broadly defined, those were elastic career opportunities that really gave you social and economic mobility. So I've been on this trajectory for a generation, right? And when I was introduced to Bitwise, the founders, Jake Soberall and Irma Owen, had a similar story. They saw what was happening in their own lives and career and how technology and the tech economy had so positively impacted their trajectories, yet they were located in what can be described as flyover territory in the state of California, Fresno, California, one of the agriculture capitals of the world, if you will. Um, and so Bitwise was created to, in my words, reach up, grab hold, and pull down some of the best opportunities that exist in the economy. And the point is, pull down, not trickle down, pull down some of the best opportunities in the economy to serve underestimated underdog populations. And that's what the company has been doing for the past eight years. And now we're expanding to underestimated uh, cities across the U.S. Jonathan, I wonder if you could just give us some examples of what are those pull-down opportunities so that our audience can visualize them. Currently, we have nine apprenticeship programs that are registered with the Department of Labor. They include Contact Center as a service, software development as a service, um, sales force, modernization, customization, the typical kind of broad need tech stack, right? That's the basis of our apprenticeship program. And we have several others in the pipeline for registration with the Department of Labor. But that's also supported by our technology consulting business. Keep in mind, we're anchored by workforce development. That's the foundation of everything we do, but it's not the only thing we do. Our apprentices are 2,000 hours, paid living wage, have access to Bitwise health benefits, etc. They are fueled by a pre-apprenticeship program for a modest cost of $250, a six-week course. Importantly, because of the diversity of our capital stack, we scholarship in 
about 90% of participants in the pre-apprenticeship program. So cost is never a, a barrier and no one leads with bitwise debt to access our programs. Second pillar, technology consulting. We compete for business all over the United States, Vaughn. And the business we win is performed by our apprentices under the leadership of senior developers. So apprentices have an opportunity to develop a portfolio demonstrating ability to do a thing, having demonstrated that they have done a thing. It's really like an athlete coming out of high school. What does your film say you look like? Well, I might not have a certificate, but I have film. And this is proof of my ability to do a thing. And then thirdly, we create extraordinary places, what our founder calls castles to the underdog, castles to the underestimated. In this innovation economy, we have the finger popping high growth entrepreneurs. We love them too. But the places we create and the ecosystems we create to serve that population have been less than hospitable to underestimated populations. For underestimated, we create sterile workforce, education kinds of places, social and human services kind of places where we operate and the places that we create are extraordinary. And they're amplified by an ethos, both in terms of visually and in terms of our own spirit. No one belongs here more than you. So you've laid out a lot of components of workforce development coming together. And I'm sure at this moment in time, it looks like, voila, it happened overnight. But as always, this is a process. And I wonder if you are able to piece part for us, which came first? Uh, clearly, it was not the consulting business because you had to build up a base. Would you know what the sequence was in terms of building up Bitwise and what was started first versus added later? At a very high level, if you'll give me that latitude, uh, what was originally GeekWise Academy evolved into an apprenticeship program. And now we are the largest tech apprenticeship provider in the United States. So what was essentially a kind of training program where our goal is not to screen people out, but screen people in, evolved into our paid apprenticeship program. And then to fuel that and frankly build revenue for the enterprise, the tech consulting was added to it as a pillar of our operation Place was always central, but the combination of an apprenticeship program and our tech consulting has really created new opportunities to create extraordinary places. And Jonathan, how does Bitwise play in the landscape with all the boot camps that are there, like the, the tech boot camps? We don't really compete with them head to head. Uh, we certainly believe they have a role in communities and thumbs up, but we're clear about our value proposition. Some of those camps are pretty darn expensive. And again, that's their model. For us, again, our threshold is how do we screen more people in? And often it's not the ability to learn. It's all these other barriers that get in the way. And cost is always chief among them. 
So our goal is to make uh, our pre-apprenticeship and ultimately the paid apprenticeship program accessible to most vulnerable populations, underestimated populations. And with that model, and once you complete our apprenticeship program, you have no debt, but you've been earning money, you have benefits. And even if you take one apprenticeship course, chances are you've been scholarshiped in or we've worked with you to make some affordable accommodation. So we have our own value proposition. We don't um, uh, detract from what they do. Thumbs up. The world needs a lot of contributors, and we're confident in our approach. Well, the no debt is uh, very attractive, I think, to investors and, and communities alike. Jonathan, if you don't mind laying out the, the student journey so that we have a better understanding of what the students experience. Yes. Uh, oftentimes, our students come, let's say, in the Fresno, Central Valley area. They come from field, factory, retail, disproportionately, generally averaging about $21,000 annual salary. They must take at least one pre-apprenticeship program. Let's say we're scholarshiped in. Boy, I didn't know that I was this attracted to the technology economy. I like this. I'd like to compete in the apprenticeship program. I migrate to the apprenticeship program. Within that program, it's a full-time job, paid a living wage. We encourage our learners to not have another job, um, and if they must, you know, take other classes and higher education, we discourage that, but we certainly, it's not a barrier because we need you to be focused on executing on the apprenticeship program and building your portfolio of skills. Interestingly, among the nine career paths uh, within the tech stack, let's say um, I choose our Salesforce pathway. Okay, I'm competing the Salesforce pathway. I'm doing work that has a market applicability for a government or for-profit entity or a nonprofit entity, a small business as well. I'm building my portfolio. 90% of completers in our apprenticeship program stay in the local market. One of the reasons why is equity. Not just in terms of fairness, that's generally the discussion around equity, but ownership. I now own skills that are valued in my local economy. They are valued and I'm able to earn now upwards of $60,000 and after three years, upwards of $80,000. And that equity means ownership. I now have an underlying ownership interest in the destiny of my community. It's one of the reasons 90% of those completers stay in the local market. Let's take a break. Today's episode is brought to you by SHRM. Our partners at SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, have created better workplaces by supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout the world of work and society. It's why they developed the Together Forward at Work initiative 
to drive racial inequity out of the workplace. It's why Sherm made a capital commitment to support minority-owned business enterprises. And it's why they are partnering with us at Moving the Needle to support the call for inclusive economic development opportunities. Together, we can help workers realize their full potential in their work and in every aspect of their lives. So you can learn more at SHRM.org. That's S-H-R-M.org. Okay, back to the show. Let's get back to moving the needle. So in essence, the pre-apprenticeship is doing a little bit of a career exploration and program readiness so that they can pick one of the nine apprenticeship tracks. Yep. Not your first rodeo, Vaughn. Way to connect those dots. (laughs) Well, I'm cheering you on as a big believer in apprenticeship. I would love to find out the structure, how the employers invest. So do they uh, commit to having a certain number of hours or a certain number of days dedicated to the learning or do students do the learning off hours? How do you structure that part? Remember, the apprentices are bitwise employees. Oh. So they're not, that's right, the apprentices are our employees. And over the course of a normal working day to deliver on eight hours of learning, 2,000 hours of the course of a year uh, to maintain that uh, certification with the Department of Labor as well. In terms of potential employers, We have a couple of ways to benefit local economies. One, our way, our processes can be deployed in ways that meet local needs. There's the general tech stack that is beneficial across the economy. But let's say you're in a community where healthcare is a huge economic driver. Well, we have the agility to uh, deploy the bitwise way into healthcare IT and meet underlying needs that drive this important industry in a local economy. So think of it as both content and process. Our process can be deployed into multiple kinds of content. So that means we can customize programs to meet employer needs. We are able to um, meet local industry sector needs more broadly in the economy as well. Our way has proven successful, and we have the agility to deploy that into multiple kinds of content. I can see how your approach, the Bitwise way, is effective in increasing diversity. I would love you to just share more about how you identify and reach prospective trainees, especially in those underserved communities. You know, Vaughn, um, we don't do magic. And I want to be clear as a bell. I'm passionate about the work. I love the work. I love being a part of the company. But we don't do finger-popping magic when we enter a community. This is hard work. One of our principles is we don't import talent. A bitwise location is staffed by folks from that community. We look for people who have, at the very least, empathy for the target population. And if not, they come from 
that population. Either you come from that story or you have empathy is a requirement. So the kinds of folks that lead our work on the ground are from communities. Um, secondly, we partner extensively. Our model is hugely dependent upon partnerships. We work with local workforce investment boards. We work with community colleges. We work with social and human services organizations. Sometimes our folk go on to um, higher education. Many times that second job from the social and human services sector is hard to achieve. So we become a back end of that pipeline as well. So we make and fit multiple connections in the local ecosystem and those reciprocal relationships really create no wrong doors for a potential learner. So you mentioned having someone local who can navigate and pull together the, the partners. What other conditions must exist for you to be invited into a community to make the community ready for you? Yes, and you use the key word ready. We actually call it readiness, relational and commercial. Relational readiness, probably exactly what you think. Uh, we're a head and heart company, right? We have empirical data, median household income, absence of a top 50 research institution, presence of some tech growth strategy and ecosystem, uh, walkability, livability, et cetera. Those are all empirical data points. They inform, but they don't control our expansion decisions. That's the head. And here's the heart. We have to feel what we call gravitational pull, that this community wants Bitwise to be a part of its story. And enough stakeholders across government, underestimated communities, philanthropy, business, uh, private investors, we can get a critical mass, if you will, of those stakeholders to make that expression. Then we not only meet, we exceed their enthusiasm with our exploration. Can we aggregate enough commercial opportunity where we can fully deploy the model lockstep with the community. Now, you have a personal interest in inclusive competitiveness, which is a part of your, your book title. Uh, tell us more about what you mean by that, and I'd love to hear some real-world examples of where you see it working well. Thank you for the question. Inclusive competitiveness, that early um, breakthrough or epiphany that I shared early in our conversation, really led to that framework. I was hired to lead the creation of a regional technology and innovation leadership organization. Probably the only black person in the U.S. to do that in Cincinnati. It became Cincy Tech, still an ongoing venture development organization. I bought a lens to that work informed by all the work that I had been doing prior to that. That's also unique. Guys like me don't get those opportunities. It came to me and I took it. <laughs> and, and, and the ultimate point is, I'm like, when I realized that the stuff we were doing was good stuff, 
but it wasn't the stuff that would move the needle. It completely changed the trajectory of my career. And I began the hard work of building out a framework, a pathway to connect what I would call disconnected, what Bitwise calls underestimated humans to the top opportunities in our economy, not just the uh, customary opportunities that they've been relegated to, but the competitiveness levers of the regional, state, and national economy. Those sectors of the economy that disproportionately determine our economic future and inclusive competitiveness is a framework to facilitate that work. I'm glad I'm speaking with you now. I'm involved in the upcoming um, gathering of the National Council on Competitiveness to inform their workforce agenda for the following year. And I want to hear from you and your recommendations on how to connect these communities with these top opportunities, as, as you mentioned. From what I'm hearing, it sounds like Identifying key economic drivers, like whatever sectors that drive the economy, mm-hmm. then developing a strategy that begins to connect the dots between the community and those sectors, however hard it is, will be an essential ingredient. So I, I wonder, give me a comparison of a compare and contrast. What, what was the Jonathan like before he had these insights and what would he have done versus the Jonathan now? Uh, the smarter Jonathan, um, how how he would approach the inclusive competitiveness strategies. You know, that's pretty easy. And it was a caring person who cared a lot about his community and, and, and wanted to make contributions, but had no idea that this economy and these opportunities even existed. And I was a young lawyer connected, one of the comers on the scene, doing all the civic, you know, I I enjoyed that work, right? And right in front of my face was an invisible economy. So I would have stayed in the coffin corner, to borrow a football phrase, of opportunity versus playing the entire field of opportunity. And frankly, the competitiveness levers You mentioned Council on Competitiveness. They've done some great work. The competitiveness levers of the economy, we still have not yet, as a matter of policy, policy is the great enabler, both public policy and private policy. All policy is are influential actors who express important public objectives. If you're influential and you're an actor and you express an important public objective, where is it? Connecting these populations to these opportunities is part of local or national policy. Doesn't really exist. And it's more than just career exploration, right? It's more than just giving Jonathan a preview or an overview of, hey, there's the tech sectors, there's the healthcare sectors, there's the biotech sector, there's the venture sector. Uh, It's more than that, isn't it, Jonathan? It's so much more. One of the challenges is the absence of narrative, connecting narrative. We don't even talk this language in community organizations. 
we don't even use the language in our leadership entities around the competitiveness levers of the economy. Yeah, anyone can drop a term like innovation, innovation ecosystem, inclusive. Yeah, but when you look at your work, it's the same work you've been doing for 30 or 40 years since Great Society in 65, right? So there hasn't been a connection of that infrastructure to the competitiveness levers of the economy. And, you know, uh, Bond, former lawyer, right? I rarely, no, strike that. I have never seen a great offer without a great demand. And I have gotten over my career. Well, Jonathan, we hear you, but the community's not asking for these opportunities. And they're right. But we who know better have not offered these opportunities either. So you try sometimes the do-gooders might want to make yourself feel good and say, we're going to listen to the community. Yes, of course, listen. But if you know better, know more, we should offer more. And these opportunities have not been full-throatedly offered to underestimated humans. Bitwise is an example of a thrust that makes the offer, which actually can ignite new demand. I agree with you that the education journey has to be laid out, uh, and especially if Bitwise is able to do it debt-free, that is such a value to families and individuals. Even in the healthcare area, you know, most people would know about doctors and nurses, but they don't know what radiology technician is. They don't know medical sonographer. Uh, they don't know medical assistant. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's so many occupations that is invisible, just like they're invisible over in the IT side mm -hmm. and that they make good wages and uh, living wages uh, and family sustaining wages. You know, Bob, quickly, very quickly, we may be at a point in our national and ultimately global history, particularly for the U.S. We're not like other countries in the sense that uh, if you show promise as an eight-year-old testing STEM and, you know, you're going to be a scientist. We generally don't do that, right? We have to encourage, incent, invite, recruit, and, you know, we have to do all of those kinds of things. And the need for more players on the field has never been as great as it is right now. Since World War II, we've won the economic, global economic game with one hand tied behind our backs. Well, the world was a far different place. Since that time, billions of people are freer to express their genius. And they're smart too. <laughs> so to maintain quality of life, to bring more people in to the contributing column, we need to include these underestimated populations. I believe in the moral imperative, but even if you don't believe in the moral imperative, believe in the economic imperative. Well, those underserved populations are in 10 cities that you're serving across seven states. What are your expansion plans and how can the audience help uh, bitwise move into other locations? Absolutely. We um, just recently announced our second round of expansion. Uh, our first city outside of California was Toledo, Ohio. 
We're in Fresno, Merced, Bakersfield, East Oakland, and Toledo. And we announced Las Cruces, Cheyenne, El Paso, Buffalo, and Greeley, Colorado. A great fit for us is an underestimated place with a lot of grit and a lot of heart. And if you're able to help assemble this diverse collection of sources and stakeholders to engage with us to determine if we're a good fit for you and you're a good fit for us, I'm your man to reach out to at Bitwise. Uh, and if you reach out to the company in general, believe me, it'll get to me. <laughs> it might take a day or two, but it'll find its way to me as well. And really, that's, that's the thing. Do you have the desire? Do you want us? Do you think we can be a contributing force within your community? That excites us. Now, we move heaven and earth to help you. But we got to feel that gravitational pull. That is so important. Uh, it's a non-empirical measure, but it means the world to a head and heart company. I have a feeling you're going to get a few calls from this podcast. All right. I will, we'll take them. We, we're taking all comers. I'm telling you, we believe in the work. You know, very quickly, you know, Vaughn, you're, you're in this life. People think tech companies means tech economy. No. Tech companies are one part of the tech economy. At this point in our national and global history, the entire economy is tech-enabled. We're talking about tech roles in manufacturing, tech roles in healthcare, tech roles across the economy. It's not just working for a tech company. It's tech and tech-enabled economy. It's almost an insatiable appetite for talent in this space to meet so many and growing needs. It's a promising future. I'm glad you framed that for the audience. I mean, even in retail, one of the indicators of mobility is if you have the tech talent to move up. There you go. That, you got it. That's surprising. Yep. Right? All right. So why don't we wrap up now, Jonathan, by having you share with us what makes you optimistic about the future of work? You know, Vaughn, what makes me optimistic is an early yet I sense from my own work and my work with Bitwise, a growing momentum to get more players on the field. Our nation needs more contributors across the board. We certainly have our challenges. It's not to minimize that, but we do enjoy a relatively good standard of living. And that is only enabled by workforce that's productive and innovative, problem solving for our companies, for our entrepreneurs as well. And it seems to be a growing realization that without these large swaths of under and untapped talent, it'll be hard, if not impossible, to maintain our quality of life and standard of living. I love your call to action to get more players on the field. Boom, boom. As I say about this area, it's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. That's right. It's an ecosystem sport. How about that? That's right. That's right. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us today. My pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me. 
I'm Vontone Quinlevin with Futuro Health. Thanks for checking out this episode of Workforce Rx. I hope you will join us again as we continue to explore how to create a future-focused workforce in America. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, we have a couple of books for you. The first one is written by me, Jonathan Hollifield, called The Future Economy and Inclusive Competitiveness, How Demographic Trends and Innovation Can Create Economic Prosperity for All Americans. In this book, I answer the question, can America win its economic future? The answer is an emphatic yes but I have concerns. Our nation is facing unprecedented global economic challenges. Although the economic narrative of the 20th century in many ways served America well, it will not, indeed it cannot meet the needs of the 21st century. Today, we need all hands on deck, particularly those who have not competed well in our nation's best opportunities. Blacks, Latinos, rural humans, and others. In this book, I lay out an exciting way forward for America to inclusively compete to win the future. That's The Future Economy and Inclusive Competitiveness, which you can find on Amazon or movingtheneedle.solutions. And I can tell you that Jonathan's book really is a great read and provides meaningful insights into the issues we all care about. And while we're at it, you may also really enjoy a book that I, Christopher Gergen, co-authored with Greg Vanerick called Life Entrepreneurs. Life Entrepreneurs, as you may find out, is a clarion call for those who are interested in integrating their lives and work with purpose and passion. In the book, we tell stories of people who have infused their life and work with energy, impact, and fulfillment. In writing Life Entrepreneurs, we had deep conversations with 55 life entrepreneurs who have intentionally and creatively designed their lives to be able to create truly extraordinary impact in the world and deeply fulfilling lives for themselves. We had a great time writing this book, and its lessons have impacted every aspect of my own life and the thousands of readers who have checked it out. So you can check out Life Entrepreneurs for yourself on Amazon or movingtheneedle.solutions.